guys. All right, all right. Well, uh, super happy to introduce our uh, our first guest today with us, Mr. Adam Burke. So, uh, hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, good Oliver. How are you, man? For those who don't know, Adam is currently working at BCI in their global thematics portfolio. Uh, he came from Thompson Rivers University, and we thought he had a really interesting, really interesting story. So, uh, we're happy to have you on the pod- podcast, Adam, and uh, we can't can't wait to dive into it. So, why don't, why don't you start by giving a little bit of more background about your uh, about yourself? Yeah, okay, for sure. So, um, it's like I go to Thompson Rivers University. I'm working with uh, Mac and Oliver, um, and uh, so I I study computer science there and. Um, I guess I can just kind of like dive into a little bit of my experience. So my first internship um, I had with uh, RBC Capital Markets in sales and trading, and that was on a precious metals uh, desk. And that was at the start of the pandemic. So I was working from home in BC and Kamloops, where I'm from. And it's interesting doing some early mornings, starting at like 3.30 and ending early too. But I was able to leverage that into uh, another internship with a firm called Raymond James. And um, there I did some equity research on a team in Vancouver. And then uh, more recently, I um, worked with Scotiabank in another sales and trading role. And this was with uh, energy commodities. So I guess commodity derivatives again, and this was oil and gas. Um, and, uh, I can dive into a little bit more about that, but most recently I'm here with, uh, Oliver and Mac and on a public markets team in uh global thematics desk. So, um, that's kind of a crash course on where I am and what I've done lately. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think you have a, a great curricular of, uh, of experience. And I, I was just wondering if you could talk about, uh, your first experience at RBC, you're from, uh, from BC and going to Toronto, how, how was that for you? And how did you maybe uh, talk about the recruitment process that you went through and uh, how was it for you? Yeah, so like, uh, it was a little bit of like luck of the draw because it was um, it was a kind of a last minute posting that I, that I noticed and just frantically applied to. And it wasn't the only one I applied to, I applied to quite a few and just wasn't gaining much traction because I go to a little bit of a smaller school, but this was kind of a last minute hire. So I had a little bit of an advantage there. and. Um, it was a pretty quick turnaround. I like basically two weeks later after applying, they're like, Hey, we'll interview you. And I was pretty stoked to just get a little bit of traction from, from such a big bank, especially back East. I just didn't expect that right away. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, from there, once I got it, like I was working from home, so I didn't have to do the big move to Toronto, but it was, it was definitely interesting, uh, like navigating the hours. Cause I had to, since I was in Western Canada, so it was a three hour, three hour unfavorable, unfavorable time difference. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got used to that and, and liked it, but sales and trading wasn't a hundred percent for me, even though I did it twice, but just the opportunity was there and I'm just trying to get as much experience as possible. So, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but, uh, yeah. So going from Thompson rivers and Canon loops to RBC capital markets in Toronto, obviously that probably wasn't too easy. So what do you think, you know, set you apart in the process? Did you, did you network for the job at all? And you know, how, how's that played, uh, you know, through your career so far? Yeah, for sure. So like, yeah, I mean, networking was a big part of it. Um, I also was ramping up this student investment fund that I was creating at the time at my university, which was just through dumb luck, had had some success behind it. And um, just through, you know, kind of like a combination of that and uh, and just some people that I talked to, it uh, I just had like a, a little bit of juice on my resume that just sort of helped me push through the door. And I think 
like most personally cool thing about that to me is um, is I was I'm actually the first student ever from my university to intern in capital markets, uh, especially in a front office role. So so that was pretty significant for me personally, and uh, hopefully for our university because now we're starting to see RBC poking up or poking up there a little bit more and like our co op program and stuff. So. Uh, I think that's that's awesome, and maybe to to give a, a bit of clarification for for the students, could you talk about your your day to day on on the sell side and sort of the sales and trading commodity derivative uh, role here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like, um, so the sales and trading aspect was it was it was interesting because it wasn't it wasn't like like an equity research or like bank. I haven't tried banking, but it wasn't like equity research in the sense where some days you'll or even this public markets co op where some days you'll show up and like kind of have to find work to do or they're working on like larger projects like sales and trading is interesting because it's super structured days and it's fast days too so if that's something that you're interested in and like kind of knowing when you're going to end roughly give or take ad hoc projects and sort of knowing when you're going to start each day I thought I thought that was kind of fun and um, I mean the day-to-day was like a lot of task-based work and um, something that I wasn't personally crazy about but was still appreciative I didn't know until I went there but was um, it's not a lot of corporate finance. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, it's like very fast paced, high deal flow. Um, and really like at the end of the day, like commodity derivatives are essentially balance sheet risk hedging for large companies and conglomerates. It's not so much like this like kind of sexy thing. It's, it is, it can get sexy, but a lot of it is just, you know, um, is very practical and objective. And I thought it was, it was interesting. I, I thought the, the coolest part about sales and trading was to see this, the sheer volume of money that was getting moved, especially on the precious metal side. Like it's like hundreds of millions of dollars being moved every single day between like small teams, um, particularly in precious metals, not because of volume, but just because of how expensive, like things like rhodium, palladium, platinum, gold, and silver and stuff are. So um, that was cool. I mean, kind of on a tangent, but you know, like the day to day was, was fast. It was structured and it was very, very like deal heavy, not long-term deal heavy per se, but deal heavy. And I guess just like one more quick thought, like I thought what I personally liked about the uh, commodity derivative side was you're finding opportunity. It's not known. It's so deep in secondary markets that like, especially more so at Scotiabank, they have a huge push into like LATAM markets. So they're like looking for opportunities to like hedge different like oil positions and like carbon offsets and stuff like that for companies that literally have essentially no other banks going to them. So it's like, it's interesting because you can really see like inefficiencies in markets that these traders are exploiting. So it's not all just like buy, sell, buy, sell all day long. A lot of it is like these long-term projects with how can we build these relationships with these companies and, you know, pump through as much volume as possible. It's really interesting in that sense. Um, from, you know, spending some time together so far, I know we've, I've got to know you personally and I can say that you're probably one of the best networkers I've ever seen. And, you know, from coming from, from, you know, school in Kamloops and, you know, try to break in the capital markets in Toronto and Vancouver, you kind of have to be. So I'd be curious to hear, you know, how, how you take it upon yourself to, uh, you know, keep up with, with connections, who you reach out to, uh, you know, maybe how, how you find your names, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, no, thanks. Um, I don't, I don't always, like, I don't think I'm very good at it. I mean, it's like, it's just awkward. Like networking is hard. Even it's just, it's just, you know, it's like, takes a lot. You to are go. good at it. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But like, yeah, it's still exhausting, right? Like you're just like a lot, like 95% and 99% of the people you talk to, nothing will happen from it. It's just a conversation, especially like when I really started to do it, a lot of it was just phone calls and stuff. And it's, you know, coming from like a small town, like just for example, like countless is like a hundred thousand people and 
you know, like people don't go work on Bay Street to make big money. They go work in like oil rigs and do stuff like that, right? Which pays equivalently well, but it's, it's far off. There's no investment bankers within a thousand kilometers basically and sure. or traders, right? So like, yeah, it was definitely a bit of a grind, but like um, no one really, like, you know, when I reached out to people mostly through like LinkedIn and stuff like that, pretty much went nowhere 99% of the time. But what I actually started to do is I started to like, so I, I remember I was a lifeguard at the time and I remember this guy was talking about, actually funny enough, so this guy was actually a former trader and he owned like a pharmacy and stuff in Kamloops. He worked for TD and retired in Kamloops because that's where he grew up and that's just where he wanted to come back to. So he, he actually got me interested in finance, but what he said to me when I was working at the YMCA as a lifeguard, like five in the morning, come and swim, weird guy, very dark, but he would, um, he would come in and he, would, he, was, he was like, hey, when you're talking to people, you should look for stuff that they do, that they volunteer their time for. Yeah. And because he's like, nobody volunteers for stuff that they don't want to do unless it's like community service, right? Or like like court ordered. And um, so what I actually started to notice with the people I talked to was these student investment funds. And that's actually where the conversations really sparked. And like some of my best network still today came from just going back and forth to schools to try to formulate a plan that I could bring back to my university. And I just spent the time doing that. They respected it. I met a lot of professors, met a lot of students that I still know today that are now in various roles throughout Canada and United States. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it was. It was just like, you just got to do it. It's, it's crazy how many people don't do it. <laughs> and maybe just to give a bit of background, when, when Adam is talking about uh, a student fund, he, he's referring to programs like we have at our own school. So the Kenneth Woods program and the Van Burkham program and the sustainable program. He, uh, he actually co-founded and he, he's a fund manager in, in that fund. So that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. I just want to say uh, congrats to you, Adam, because that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Thanks. And, uh, on that note, I just wanted to know your uh, your transition from your sell side internships to the buy side. How was that, and and do you see a difference in in culture at those uh, those different firms? For example, uh, RBC, Raymond James, Scotia Bank, and now now BCI. Do you? Uh, if you could touch on that, I, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's like definitely a difference. Um, I guess in terms of what, I guess it's just like, what's the end result? Like, I mean, really at the end of the day, like everybody's selling something, but I guess like BCI is more selling justification for people to keep their money with them. At least that's what it seems like. Whereas iBanks and sell side banks in general, just sell side is trying to sell their ideas to like a lot of people on buy side and stuff like that. Right. So like, I guess, I guess like the difference is like what people are getting paid to do. Everyone's getting paid to perform, but we're getting paid to perform, at least the people who we, we work with are getting paid to perform based on returns, whereas everybody else is getting paid off volume, right? Like, so I found that was really different. Like here there's more like, oh my God, this company is like going in the hole. Like I, everyone's worried about that, I guess, in equity research and stuff too. But you know, like here it's like, this is my company and these are my returns that I'm getting judged off of. Whereas on sell side, they're like, oh man, this company's tanking. Now we're not going to get the same trading volume in equity research. Therefore my bonus isn't going to be as big, right? And I, I, I think if that's an overgeneralization and I don't mean it like, like one doesn't care and one does care, but like, I guess, I guess like the difference is just like what the end result is, right? So like here there's more people that are like butting heads and collaborating and trying to make the best portfolio possible. Where on the other side, they're trying to get the best names in a specific sector as possible, which I guess really is like the same thing, but then they're trying to sell those ideas. Right. So, um, which is, which is, I guess, fairly obvious. I mean, you could probably find that on like Investopedia, but like the different, the difference here, it's a lot like kind of a little bit, maybe slower pace in some ways, not in a bad way, but like sell side was more like, you know, you're getting, it's like, there's not quotas per se, but like it was, it seemed faster paced than buy side does. Um, I mean, that's 
over again another oversimplification but I, yeah i mean at a high level that's how I, that's what i'd say i don't know i have more sell side than i do buy side so this is still like buy side still pretty new to me but um yeah i mean so you study computer science at at thompson rivers so be curious to hear a little bit about that transition and obviously you know you, you had some extremely technical positions and like in these desks that request special expertise and now you're at BCI. So how, how did you get the technical knowledge to get past, you know, get, get through the front door? Yeah, for sure. Um, so like I started with like finance, I mean, I started going to school and business and then once I started once like with, with like already interested, so I took like a gap year and then I went into school. I'm like, Hey, like I actually started to learn about valuation. Martin Shkreli shout out. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, these finance videos. So anyways, nonetheless, <laughs> who forgot got that voice? Um, yeah. <laughs> shout out farmer bro. Um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, so yeah, so in my gap year, I went to school, I started with finance and then just because of how small my school was and just, there wasn't like, there wasn't bankers and stuff to reach out to and stuff. So I'm like, okay, like I need a little bit of an so I figured I'd try computer science and I just like the problem. Computer science is just problem solving. And I, I thought that was kind of fun. Like I just liked the courses. It was honestly like it was, I found it a little bit more interesting than just a finance degree. Like I think a finance degree, I was more personally interested in outside of school. Like I didn't need to go to school to get interested in this. I was yeah. interested and that's why I went to school for it. And then I was like, Hey, this isn't what I expected. Literally haven't taken a finance class before except for like Wall Street prep and stuff that I've taken on my own. But yeah, that's why I took computer science. And also I don't have the best GPA. So like computer science was like an easier way to justify kind of going into jobs where you're competing with like the creme de la creme of grades, extracurricular schools. This was kind of a way to be like, like, hey, I'm taking a different angle and I'm from another school and now experiences help. And I think it's like a little less relevant now, but yeah, I mean like it was, and also, also too, like a little bit of a hedge, like, you know, in some ways, like, Hey, like it's kind of cool to know how to code and program and stuff. And it teaches you kind of th think about problems slightly differently. And to tie that in Max, sorry, like, um, yeah, I mean, it helped, especially in sales and trading, like sales and trading, like, you know, if you can code, it wasn't like, we need you to be a developer and come work on this stuff. But it's like, Hey, if you can find a way to make this faster, do it. Right. right? So that was, that was a lot of it. And I, you know, it's like stark difference in like, here and like equity research and stuff where there's literally no programming at all and i guess a lot of it is less programmable whereas trades it's like the end of the day like what are we doing like we're we're like pulling pnl we're looking at like stock graphs and stuff like that like it's stuff that you don't need to be you know like we don't need an mit computer scientist to do it's just somebody who can automate something that you're doing anyways in excel right so um yeah it's very ad hoc very ad hoc useful like but maybe that's the best way to put it but yeah no it's it's different yeah, no, that's super interesting. And just to, to tie back to this, I think you mentioned your, your GPA might have been a, a bit lower and you uh, obviously you're, you're very knowledgeable and uh, you have a lot of skills. But I was just wondering if you could talk about maybe how many interviews did you do for, for one role and how did you deal with, with rejection and maybe what made you successful at the end of the day? Because you've, uh, you've landed some, uh, some pretty impressive positions. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm not discouraged by like failing at stuff like I think in high school, I also didn't do very well in school. I had a lot of fun in high school, but like I didn't, I, um, I, you know, like I, I think that kind of taught me to like, it managed my expectations. So like, you know, like some people, they do poor in a class or whatever, and it's like literally the end of the world to them. For me, I'm just like, Hey, it's my fault. Like there's something that I did wrong here. And that's why I got this grade. Like it's like mostly a product of me. And I think like realizing that kind of gave me some acceptance. And like at the end of the day, like I can't go back and fix all these classes. So what do, how do I work with what I got? And that's kind of how I see it. And that's where like that student investment fund angle kind of came in. That's where computer science angle came in where I'm like, Hey, like, yeah, I have bad grades. Yes. It's my fault, but here are some other ways that I'm trying to approach this. And, 
Um, and I think that's the best way, right? Like in interviews and stuff, occasionally I get the question, but like, to be honest, like, and it goes for anybody, you know, when you have experience and stuff, I think it's kind of like an empty question to be like, oh, why'd you get a C minus in this class? Like, oh yeah, by the way, I was working two jobs. Like I was paying for my own school. I was cooking my own meals. I was living on my own. I was fixing my car. Like, you know, like there's all this life stuff <laughs> yeah. that I think don't, people don't get enough credit for. And, and a lot of people can relate to that, whether you're in Toronto or Kamloops or wherever, right? Like, I think it's just kind of like, um, for me personally, it's something that I'd never really judge anybody on. Right. I think, I think, I think what, you know, if someone asks you this, I know this isn't really what you guys ask, but like, you know, if someone asks you what your grades are, I think, I think more than they care that you got a C minus in managerial economics, they're more care about your answer. If you're an excuse maker, or if you're just like, Hey, like I screwed up, I didn't pick the right prof. I didn't do the work. I was busy. Here's why, but also it's my fault, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I think about that. I mean, didn't really answer it, but You've been you've been able to leverage your your extracurriculars quite a bit, right? You know, through through Trusa. I guess that yeah that comes up in almost every, every interview I could imagine. Yeah, for sure. And you, and it's and it's funny because like I mean I'm sure you guys get this too, right? Like they're like, oh, you're in a student investment, cool. Like even like right, it's like kind of like oh, awesome, right? But it more shows. I think it more shows like hey, like you're interested in your school, like you know, like. I mean, really, like, I mean, you guys know this too, you take a finance class, like, are you learning how to do a DCF model in class? Are you learning how to do it in your student investment fund and like building reports and like learning what's wrong and what's right instead of like, you know, like there's a huge gap between um, reality and education. And it's not that either of them are right or wrong, but there's like, it's hard to get that connection. I think that's what student investment funds offer, right? And it's like, shows it's like, yeah, cool, you you botched like economics or finance, but also you can run through a model. You can talk about a company, you can give a pitch, you understand what's right, what's wrong. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, understanding the physics behind a hammer or knowing how to use one that's in it. some ways, you know? So that's how I see it. But yeah, no, I think you, you gave a, a lot of great advice and maybe to, uh, we don't want to take too much of, uh, of your time here. And, uh, just wanted to know if you had a, a couple of advice for students beginning and maybe students that are in their first, second or, or third year that, that you would have liked to, to have maybe when you were at, at that point in your, uh, your education or university career, if I could put it that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, like, I started to appreciate my university despite the size of it after I started to get experience, right? I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Once you get that experience, it doesn't maybe a hundred percent matter where you go to school. Sure. That can help you up the runway. Right. But like, you know, would you rather be, you know, a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond in some ways, right? And I think that's like a little bit comes down to who you are as a person, but um, you know, like I would, I, I would say talk to people early. Like that's something I didn't have. I just literally didn't have alumni, like to find somebody who like cares and like wants to help you, whether it's, so I actually heard this, this was interesting and I haven't tried it personally, but a lot of people are reaching out to people who are currently in industry but it's also something to reach out to like, especially like retired people, like retired MDs and stuff like that, or like people who, cause like those are like people who nobody reaches out to because they're like, either you don't work there or it's too intimidating. But like, those are like usually the most lonely people on the floor, right? Cause everyone's reaching out to the yeah. analysts and stuff like that. I, I'm going to yeah. start utilizing that more personally, but you know, like, I mean, advice, like just like it, you're never just going to get these jobs unless your dad was an investment banker, your mom was an investment banker, or they worked in trading or something like that. Like you're going to have to work hard. And like, I think like, I think like getting the stuff that you can't teach, like like not getting down when like you inevitably don't get the job or you inevitably do bad in a class or something like that. I think it's just like a matter of if you want it, eventually you're gonna get it. And I think like, you know, like kind of annoying to say, but like if I could get it, definitely anybody could get it, probably with no arms and no legs. So um, uh, yeah, I mean like, like, like work hard, like 
try as many things as you can talk to as many people as possible. I mean, like even it's too, like you read a lot of stuff in the U S and they're like, Oh, if you don't do this, you're screwed. If you don't do this, you're screwed. Well, it's like, you know, like I think, I think those are the people that tried something else. They didn't do it. So they failed immediate, they failed and then they kind of gave up and now they're telling everybody else not to do it. Right. Like I'd say like any experience is good experience, whether you're in operations or whatever the hell you're doing. Right. Excuse my language. But, um, uh, yeah, like, a long answer, but like work hard, talk to people early, try different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can echo all that. I think you're really the epitome of, you know, don't make excuses. Like, you know, you, you've managed to make it out of, out of school with, you know, very little alumni in, in capital markets. And now you're, you're working for an office at a $200 billion pension fund. So mm-hmm. You know, I think your your advice is extremely valuable, and a lot of people can can learn from it. So we're like I said, we're we're super happy to have you here on the podcast, and uh, we we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, for sure. No, thanks, boys. Yeah, no, um, still learning myself. Still have a long way to go, but yeah, no, it's fun. It's cool, especially cool getting into an internship right with other people that you can so, talk to, and every everybody you know, you have your friends who are trying to do this and trying to do this, but when you're in a group of people who are literally trying to do the same thing, it's it kind of normalizes it and makes it even more interesting, right? So. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. I think it's important to network with your peers. Mm-hmm. We all work together here. So, uh, no, thank you so much, Adam. Yeah, of course. You know, thanks, guys.